going to talk today about is finding the strength to abide in every season, okay? How do we abide in every season? This is one of the most important teachings, I believe, that we as Christians need to continue to have in our life until the day that we go on into the heavens. So this is going to be a refresher from some of us, um, but it's also going to be sort of a, um, a, a word in season because we're about to see how God is really actively involved in keeping us in this abiding place. Amen. Father, I just pray today for the help of your Holy Spirit, God, that your word would truly give us light today. It would give us life today, God. We come hungry, God. We come willing, God. We come needy. Father, we come with faith knowing that you've done so much for us to be in this place already. Father, I pray for a supernatural touch on the mouth that is going to just uh, speak out your word today, God, but also on the, on the ears that are going to hear your word today. Father, we need you so much, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to the Gospel of John. We're going to be in the Gospel of John quite a bit, but I am going to be going into some other portions of Scripture here and there. So the Gospel of John, we get this picture of God's Son, Jesus Christ, coming down into the world and dwelling amongst men. Now, the Apostle John that we know also wrote some other books in the Bible. First John is one of those books. Now, here's a little fact and information for us to understand concerning 1 John, is when John is writing out 1 John, all the rest of the apostles have now died. And 1 John is writing to a region called Asia Minor, which is roughly Ephesians, the, the region of where Ephesus lived. So here is John writing back to a church that you and I have grown so much through called the book of Ephesians. We get this incredible doctrine of our salvation, of how we're saved by faith through grace, saved by grace through faith. And now the Apostle Paul has already gone to rest, and now here is John writing back to this church that had this incredible doctrine of being saved by grace through faith. But now he's writing back to them because there is an issue that is beginning to creep into the church. No, it's not the culture that they're living in. No, it's not the Roman persecution that's coming against the church. It was actually something much greater than that. It was something within the church called heresy. Something that, that John is beginning to write, that there is an inner deception that is going to begin to come into the church. That you've got to be able to handle, and you've got to be able to learn how to combat it. He also begins to talk about the spirit of the Antichrist. So here's an incredible thought that the Apostle John that also wrote the Gospel of John is now the last living apostle encouraging the Ephesians region of saying these words, you've got to continue to abide. Over about 35 to 40 times in the small book of 1 John, he says these words to them, you've got to continue to abide. You've got to continue to abide in the words that you first heard. There is an anointing inside of you, and as long as you're abiding, you will always overcome. Listen to some of the benefits that the Apostle John said in 1 John. He says this, abiding means you will walk in the light and not darkness. Abiding means you will keep his commandments, which you heard from the beginning. Abiding means you will walk in the same way that he walked. Abiding means you're going to love your brother. Those who are abiding in him, they're going to have an anointing that will teach them all truth. Those who are abiding in him will give us a confidence for when the day that he appears that we are his. 
Those who are abiding in him will practice righteousness and will not continue to practice in sin. He does not say those who are abiding in him will never sin. But he does say that those who are abiding in him will not have a lifestyle of practicing that sin. They will live in the light and, and he will constantly forgive them of their sin. Those who abide in him will have the spirit of God in them and that their faith is greater than anything that this world will throw at them. So the apostle John, who was at one point of his life, get this picture, one point of his life, any moment that somebody spoke against Jesus, do you know what he did? God called lightning down and strike them and put them into the grave, let thunder roar. That's why he got the nickname Son of Thunder. There was a whole region that said, I don't believe in Jesus, and he said, oh, let lightning come and strike them down. So that's what his concept was of heresy at one point. But then all of a sudden, in the last moments of Jesus' life on the earth, you see him closer than anybody else, sitting at the table with Jesus, laying upon his chest, right next to his heart, even calling himself, I am the beloved. There was this incredible transformation that took place. Now he's speaking to the church as the last apostle, saying these words, you've got to constantly abide. You've got to understand abiding. You've got to make sure abiding is your lifestyle. Today in the church that we face today, there's so many issues. Outwardly, from culture, from all kinds of, of, of health, mental health issues, so much is coming against the church. And how are we going to address it? How are we going to face it? I still believe in the presence of God to come and protect us to heal us, to keep us, to keep truth as sovereign inside of our hearts so that we don't get led astray. So that is abiding for us today, and that's what we've got to understand, and that's what we're going to teach on today. So I'm going to start off by answering the question, what is abiding? In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, if you're there, Gospel of John, chapter 1, we're going to look at two concepts of what abiding is before we go and look at Jesus' teaching the disciples before he goes to the cross. So what is abiding? Our first point for this teaching is this. It's being where he is. John chapter 1 verse 35 says these words. That John was standing. Now this is John the Baptist, not the apostle John. John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus and he walked, and, and Jesus walked by, and John the Baptist said these words, Behold the Lamb of God. Two of these disciples heard him say these words, and then they began to follow Jesus. And Jesus turned back and saw them following, and he said these words, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that night. So what is Abiding, number one, you got to see this picture. John the Baptist has these disciples that are following him. And then all of a sudden he sees the Lamb of God. And when he vocalizes this out, all of a sudden those that were following him were pursuing his teachings, his way of life. They heard the, the magnitude of who Jesus was. Behold the Lamb of God. And all of a sudden they left everything behind and they began to follow him. And Jesus said, what are you seeking? What are you trying to follow? And their answer was, where are you staying? I just want to be with you. I just had a revelation of who you are. 
You are the Lamb of God. And so on our pursuit of understanding this word abiding in the Christian life, we have always got to go back to who is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who is he to you? Do we need to have a reminder of the Lamb of God and the reason why we needed a Lamb from God? Because when we understand that he is the only way for us to be delivered from an eternity of being separated from God, all of a sudden there's nothing else that is, that is even close to as worthy as what he is. And all of a sudden from their heart they say, we just want to be with you. And so they begin to pursue him. So what is abiding? Number one is being where he is. It's having this desire to just be with him. Where are you? I want to be there. And why that encourages my heart so much is for this reason. Because abiding has nothing to do with our intellectual development or ability. But everything to do with our time. Time is one of the most important resources that we have. You know, if it was all about the intellectual ability, it might remove half of the human race. But if we can just capture that important word, he is the Lamb of God. I want to be with him. So what does that mean for us today? Being in any place that causes our affection to grow for Jesus must be where we're found. Let me repeat that. Being in any place that causes our affection for Jesus to grow, we must be found. We must be there. Any place where your affection with Jesus is growing. Is your affection with Jesus growing every morning you wake up and you begin to spend time with him in the devotion place? If that's the case, you've got to stay there. Nothing can take that place. Is it coming into the house of the Lord and being in this place of worshiping? And as that happens, you experience the presence of God. You cannot forsake that. You cannot set that aside. Is it whenever you're fellowshipping with some of your brothers or sisters and they encourage your heart so much that, that your affection for Jesus Christ grows so much? If that's the case, we can never set that aside. But at the same time, we must be aware of anything that is causing our desire for Jesus to lack, to numb. Careers, friends, sports, environments, activities, things that we do in our life, anything that is actually causing us to where we become more and more numb to not pursuing the presence of God, we have got to become sensitive, we've got to become aware of what we're hungering more of his presence or what is actually numbing us from not needing his presence. So let's hold this thought right here for a moment. What is abiding? Number one, it's being where Jesus is. Number two, actually before we go on to that, let's continue to look at verse 40 of John. John chapter 1 verse 40 because I want us to see the results of being where he is, of abiding by being where he is. One of these two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, verse 41. And Andrew then found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. So Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will now be called Cephas, which is translated rock. Please capture what just happened, because this is the benefit, the, the results of abiding with him, being in the place where his presence is at, is all of a sudden he begins to put things inside of us that was not there before. 
Because think about this. This is Andrew, who was just a fisherman, who all of a sudden spent time with Jesus, and Jesus put him into a place of being an evangelist, where Andrew has to go and tell his wishy-washy, troublemaker, foot-in-the-mouth brother, Peter, he goes and tells Peter, look at who I found. He, he turned him into an evangelist. The greatest, one of the greatest disciples of all time, Peter. Look at just that one moment where Jesus put something inside of Andrew. But then look at what happened when Peter comes and he begins to abide with Jesus. Jesus put something inside of him. He said that, yes, you might be known as wishy-washy. Yes, you might be known as foot-in-the-mouth Peter, but I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you a foundation. Now watch, there was an amount of time that, that happened in Peter's life before that was fulfilled. But do you know what? Jesus committed himself and the work of the Holy Spirit to fulfill what he put inside of him. So we have to really understand that. Abiding in the presence of Jesus, he puts things in us that he is guaranteeing or he is committing himself to bringing out. You know, I was six years old when I went to a, a, a summer camp for the first time. And down at the altar, I was down there worshiping the Lord at six years old. I went home that, that summer. And my mom said, how was uh, children's camp or summer camp? And I said, it was great, mom. If I don't become a professional baseball player, I will be a missionary. <laughs> God put something in my, my heart that day. Now, I was a great baseball player. Got very close to becoming big league for, for a good amount of time. But God completely allowed something to happen in my life because I wasn't honoring him through my sport, through my life. And all of a sudden, out of this event of series that took place, I all of a sudden became a missionary to Summit. I mean, it's sort of crazy, but look, God put something in my life in his presence. You know, I was sitting right up here maybe six, seven years ago just worshiping the Lord, my first time ever being here, and Pastor Carter spoke a message, and as that message began to take place, the Lord put something in my heart there that said, you're gonna understand freedom. And that was all that happened. I didn't know anything about Summit, the Bible School of Times Square Church. I wasn't called to go to Summit. I went back home to Florida, and after about four or five months, God all of a sudden called me to leave my construction, everything behind to go to Summit, and as I get there, Pastor Teresa comes in as the president and changes the theme of the year to the year of freedom, right? <laughs> then the second year that I was a student there, it's a two-year program, for the first time ever, she puts the theme of the school year two years in a row, second year is the year of freedom. What I'm trying to say is this, in the presence of the Lord, God puts stuff inside of a heart that he is committing himself to bringing out. That's why we've got to remember to abide. We've got to remember to fall in love with his presence. And any place that is in your life that is causing you to love his presence more, you've got to stay there. Keep growing there. Keep allowing him to put things into your heart there. Now, the second area of what is abiding, you don't have to turn there, but I'm, I'm going to read this out loud. But here comes our point up on the screen. The second area of abiding is this. Putting on his yoke learning his ways, and walking with him in his strength. Now, I know that that's a lot, but it all goes together. The first area of abiding is being where he is. The second area is this, putting on his yoke, learning his ways, and walking with him in his strength. Now, I get that from Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Every person in this room has heard this cry from the mouth of Jesus. Two different cries 
two different calls to do two different groups of people. The first one is this, evangelistic, come under me, all who are weary. If you're heavy laden, if you're tired of running, if you cannot handle the pressures, come unto me and I'm gonna give you rest. A free rest given to you. It's a rest between heaven and you by just coming to him. It's called justification. It's the call of evangelism. But then the second call is those who have received that, that call of coming to him to receive a free rest, then he begins to speak to you about abiding, not just coming. Because watch what he says now. Now take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Look, guys, there's two rests that Jesus just talks about. One is freely given. The second rest is found. The first rest, you did not do anything to deserve from heaven. It's called justification. The second rest is you walking in his word and beginning to live it out through his strength, and now you're gonna find a rest as you walk in the earth. You're gonna find a strength that was not there before. You're gonna find a purpose that was not there before. That's called abiding. He's not just calling us to come and leave anytime we want, but abiders are those that remain in his word and begin to live out his word, walk out his word, and that's why I believe many times as Christians, we can find unrest in our heart. It's because we're actually kicking against the word of God. We're kicking against walking with him in his strength. Listen to how Solomon said it. In Proverbs chapter three, don't go there, but listen to what he said. He said, my son, do not forget my teachings. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they're going to add to you. Do not let kindness nor truth depart from you, but bind them around your neck. Put them on you like a yoke. Write them on the tablet of your heart, and then you're going to find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He's going to show you which path to make. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body, refreshment to your bones. So honor the Lord with your wealth, the first fruit of your produce, and your barns are gonna be filled with plenty, and all of your vats will overflow with new wine. Listen to how Solomon puts those words of Jesus, of, of saying, you can't just be a comer to me. You can't just come and go as you choose. Yes, you might get that free rest from heaven, but while you're walking around the earth, there's this thing called sanctification, which is coming into the image of Christ, of allowing the Holy Spirit to cause us to be more and more like Christ, where the fruit of the Spirit is living in us and is working through us. That's called abiding in his word. And I want to say how that applies to us today. Bible studies, small groups, devotions, the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word. It's got to become hungry again for this. We've got to desire understanding of this. And, and I don't care how long we've been walking with the Lord. We're not called to be stagnant in this word of the Lord. It will cause us to be a place of staleness, unrest, uh, uh, not understanding what we're meant to do with our life. Until the moment that we go into the grave, we are called to find rest by living in this word and letting his strength to live through us. 
So here's the results of this, okay? And if you can, flip your Bibles to John 14, because we're getting ready for John 15, which is our last teaching from Jesus to the, to the apostles concerning abiding. And he's starting to prepare them for this message. And we're going to put these two definitions together as we go into John 15. John chapter 14, verse 8. Watch the results of abiding in his ways and walking in his strength. Verse 8, it says this. Philip, who's one of the disciples, said, Lord, will you show us the Father? And it is good enough for us. And Jesus said to him, how long do I have to be with you? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I'm not speaking on my own authority, but it's the Father who's dwelling in me who's doing his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me on the account of the works themselves. Listen to what Jesus just explained to us. When you find yourself in a place of abiding, where we are finding, where we're finding rest in our souls from living in this word and allowing the strength to come out of us, all of a sudden the world sees Jesus again. Just as Jesus said, look, if you want to see the Father, just look at me because the Father is working in me. That's what the Bible is meant to do as we read it as Christians. When we read it, the Father and the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us, and then all of a sudden the world is able to see Jesus again. Now watch, that is why there is such an attack against abiding. Because Satan does not want a representative of Christ in the earth again. If he can cause us to be at a place of just being settled and not allowing this word to come into us and the strength of God to come out of us through what the Bible is saying, he has removed every ounce of the the perfume of Christ in the earth. But one more time, that's why God has committed himself to working in this area of our life of abiding. You guys with me? With that being said, Jesus now takes us to John 15. And now what I want us to really see about this when we go into John 15 is is this. I want our hearts to understand how God the Father is working all things to help us to continue to abide constantly. So John chapter 15, before we read it, I'm going to give us a little structure. Um, About about six years ago, I went into John 15 um, in between my senior year and my internship. I was at home in Florida, and I went through a very difficult time. Um, And and throughout that time, I I stumbled into John 15, and I started to read it, and I started to understand that God's wanting fruit for my life. He's wanting me to grow in fruit, but I was struggling big time. And all of a sudden, I was capturing this one word in there that I, I didn't know what to do about. So to help us today to understand this word that I believe many of us can struggle with, I want us to get the structure of John 15 first, okay? So here we go. Here's structure of John 15. Chapter 1, I mean verse 1 of of John 15 is the role and responsibility of the Son and the Father. Okay? Verse 2 through 5 is the role and the responsibility of born-again Christians. We're going to walk through this, but I'm just laying it out there. Verse number 6 is the experience of those who are not born again. And verse number 7 through 11 is the experience of those who are abiding with God 
because of the role and responsibility of the Holy Spirit, okay? So I say that to set up, and we're going to teach out of that, okay? So here we go. John chapter 15, verse 1. Jesus getting ready to go to the cross within 24 hours. He speaks these words and says, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. Now, look, guys, for teaching's sake, I want us to understand the context of the Jews that were in that setting hearing it. To the Jews, they understood the word vine because the nation of Israel was always called to be the vine of God. It was always called to be the life source of God in the earth, where the blessings and the fruit and and, and the life would come to the world. But every time you hear the word vine in the Old Testament, it was always with a negative connotation. It was always something that the vine was not doing correctly. So all of a sudden, when Jesus shows up and he speaks, I am the true vine, what he's doing, he's he's actually speaking to the nation of Israel saying, look, you have failed at the vine. Your vine and the root system was so rooted inside of the Mosaic covenant and the law and the Ten Commandments and the, the sacrificial system. Everything that was in the Mosaic covenant, they were meant to live it out and be the vine of blessing to the known world. But what he said to them is, look, that is a failure system. So he steps on the scene and says this, I am the true vine. So their thought is going into this place of what is he talking about? Is he going to be the new blessing to humanity, the new life source to humanity? So he's saying, I am the true vine. Now with that means Jesus has two responsibilities. Responsibility number one is going to come on the screen. The first responsibility means He has to become a healthy vine. If he's going to be the true vine, providing the life to humanity, he's got to become a healthy vine. And that he did. Please listen to this. That he did. He lived under that Mosaic covenant. He fulfilled it perfectly. And then he died as the sacrifice for the whole world who also failed at that Mosaic covenant. He died for that perfectly And then in verse 3 of John chapter 15, look at what Jesus said. You are clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Listen to the words that Jesus now speaks as the true vine. He is now the life source of God in the earth. This is so important for us to understand. These two vines, the nation of Israel that had a vine in in Isaiah, God said, I'm digging that up. I'm getting rid of it. It's no longer going to be found. It's going to be destroyed. Now Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. I fulfilled everything that that's required. Now I am the life source of God. You are now clean, not because of the Mosaic system. You are now clean because I fulfilled that and now I'm speaking my words to you. The second responsibility is this of Jesus is now he is called to supply the branches with the same inner nature that he had. Okay, that's going to be our our next point. John 14, 16, Jesus has this prayer and he says this, I'm going to ask the Father and he's going to give you another helper to be with you until you sin again. Maybe we need to read it because that's not what it says. (laughs) I will ask the Father and he's going to give you another helper The same spirit that is inside of me, he's going to give you another helper and he's going to be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. That is the Holy Spirit. So the responsibilities of Jesus, of the son, is to become a healthy vine that he did. Then he prays to the father that the same inner nature that the vine has is going to go into his branches. 
John chapter 15, you guys with me? Say, I'm with you. John chapter 15, verse 1. Now we see the Father comes into the scene. The responsibilities of the Father. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser or the gardener. It's the gardener's role to cause the fruit to grow. Listen, it's the Father's role to know the seasons that are coming and to cause the branches to be ready for those seasons to bear fruit. Now, if you remember what first Peter was saying concerning the Trinity, now watch how Jesus is also tying the Trinity's work in us, producing fruit. So whose job is it to know which seasons are coming? The Father. Whose job is it to prepare the branches for the fruit he wants them to have? The Father. And it also says this, that it brings the Father much glory that you produce fruit. So it's going to actually make his name well known when you're producing fruit. Right? It's a crazy thought of what the Father is doing. Now watch. He has two responsibilities concerning two groups of branches. One group of branches, the branches that are in Jesus. The second group of branches are the branches that are not in Jesus. Okay? So let's look at the ones that are not in Jesus first. Verse 6. The responsibility of the Father is seen in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and is dried up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned up. Responsibility of the Father there. Those who are not in Christ, not born again, have not received faith in the words of Jesus, there will be an eternal separation from God. But we're talking to the church at this moment. We're talking about the branches that are in him. So look at verse 2, and I'm going to pull out two responsibilities of the Father. Verse 2. Every branch in me, say that word, in me, me. that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every fruit that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. First responsibility of the father as the gardener who knows the seasons that are coming, who's preparing the branches to produce fruit. The first responsibility I'm going to talk about for a moment is called pruning. Okay, that's our next point is pruning. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have, have, have seen a branch before, have seen a vine branch before, but anytime a gardener is wanting a branch to produce more fruit, he goes and cuts it away. And I know that many of us have seen and heard this teaching before, but it's bringing it back to our understanding that God is at work in our life. No matter where we find ourselves as Christians, he's at work in our life causing us to want to abide in Jesus. So what does he do? He actually begins to prune. Now, what I love about this is that he says this, those who are bearing fruit, he's going to prune. So those that are even doing good things for God, he's going to prune. He's going to cut. And if you've ever seen a, a garden where a gardener has been in there pruning, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like there's any life. And that's where I found myself about six years ago in that summer. It wasn't looking good. It wasn't looking like there was life. And the reason why we've got to understand this today is because God is at work in our life. He knows what's coming down in the road. He knows what's happening in the future. He's preparing you. So whatever is happening in your life, 
whatever, if it feels like, why is this just hurting so bad? Why is this being removed from a life, my life? Why is this season a season of hardship? I want to submit it to you that maybe the father is pruning. He's doing something. What is it that the father prunes? Things from our old nature, bad habits, attitudes, places we find comfort, unhealthy pursuits, bad influences. All these things the father is working in our life to prune. But what I really love, and this is what I just want to bring out here for a moment, is is the way that Pastor David Wilkerson put it of pruning. What is it that God is wanting to prune? Anything that causes us to lean on our own righteousness. Anything that causes us to think that we are gathering spiritual points before God. Because if the vine is the only source of life where God will be able to be, be fruitful and cause fruit to come to humanity, he's got to have us to where we are leaning completely in the vine. He's got to be able to do away with our spiritual pride. He's got to be able to do away with anything feeling like we are the vine. I love it how Paul says it. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss. More than that, I count all things to be in loss for the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He prunes. We're going to come back to that for just a moment, but I want to look at their second point. It's going to say here on the screen, he also lifts up. Now, I don't know if you do not have that word in your Bible, but look at 1 John chapter 15 with me. Verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, what does your Bible say? He takes away. It's a fearful thought. Because does that mean if I'm not producing fruit, he's going to take me away? That's what it looks like. But remember the sections of John 15 I talked about. The first one was the responsibility of the son and the father. This next section is the experience of the branches that are in Jesus then it's the experiences of the branches that are not in Jesus. The reason why that's important to me is because I wrestled with this forever. God, I'm not producing fruit right now in my season. Am I gone? I, I don't sense your presence right now in, in my life. Am I being taken away? Some of you guys might have the New King James Version. If you do, I want you to look at your little foot, footnote there. It might be a little one right next to that word. If you look at that one and look at the substitute word, translators wrestle over what that means. But in your New King James Version, it also says this, he lifts up. He lifts up. That's our next point on this. God the gardener, the father, he prunes, he cuts away those things that are bearing fruit. But what about the seasons where we're not bearing fruit? Does he remove or does he lift up? Now, the reason why I believe that lift up is the correct interpretation of that is because that word is only used in two other places. Now listen, because this is huge to me for us understanding God working in our life. That word is only in two other places, and I'm going to read them to you. But that you might know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, pick up your bed and go home. That word is used for mankind to overcome the struggles and the weakness of the flesh. The second time that word is used is in Matthew 16, 8, when it says this, they will pick up serpents with their hands and they will drink deadly poisons. 
So when John, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, the relationship that you're going to have with me when I leave is going to be this relationship of abiding. You've got to learn to abide, but you need to learn my father as the gardener of what he's going to do in your life so that you're producing fruit. Number one, he's going to prune your life. He's going to remove things from our life that, that, that does not need to be there, that might cause us to lean on our own righteousness, or it might cause us to fall back to patterns of the old nature. But secondly, those seasons where there are no fruit taking place, you need to know my father, the gardener, is going to pick you up. He's going to carry you. He's going to lift you up until you are strong enough to be able to produce the fruit connected to the vine. Now, how many of you know it's a good gardener to just say, hey, that that's not producing fruit. Let me get rid of it. No, it's a good gardener to say, I'm going to cause fruit to come out of this branch. So we really have to understand this in our seasons, wherever we're at right now, because we're about to end with this teaching. But concerning our relationship with abiding and how do we find the power to constantly abide? It's because we have a healthy vine and it's because we have a good gardener that knows how to prune our life and he knows how to pick us up and carry us when we're in seasons of struggle. This is where we're going to end, is the branch's responsibility. So the next slide, but it's verse 4. The branch's responsibility, it says this. Abide in me and I in you, as the branches cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What is the branch's responsibility? It's to abide in every season. To still long to just be where his presence is. And to still long to find your place in this word. And trust him to produce the fruit. We are called to bear fruit as branches, but we're not called to produce fruit. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job to just abide. And that brings us to our last point. What is the Holy Spirit's responsibility? You don't see his name in John 14 or John 15. But to provide the same inner quality that is in the vine to the branches. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The second point, the last point that we have here, the responsibility of the Holy Spirit is to cause the branches to produce fruit. To cause the branches to produce fruit. We're going to read verse 7 through 11, and then we're ending. But I want you to see this, because this is the result of abiding. And this is what the Holy Spirit is working in our life and through our life. Verse 7. If you abide in me, you're not going to see his name, but you're going to see his work. If you abide in me, my words will abide in you. He's going to make his words real to your heart. If you abide in him, if you just get to his presence and, and love being in his presence, and if you get along with this word, the Holy Spirit's going to make these words real in your heart. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to give you confidence of God answering your prayers. That's, what, that's why this was so important for abiding. Because when we abide, his words become real, and we have confidence that God's going to answer all of our prayers. Verse 8, my father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, 
I have also loved you, so abide in my love. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's gonna do? He's gonna make the love of God so real in your heart. That's what he does. That's why we have to continue to abide. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide it in his love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be full in you and that your joy may be made full. Guys, if we can just have the worship team to come out. We're gonna spend a few moments with the Lord, but look at the last point of those that are abiding with Jesus. Look at the last point of what the Holy Spirit is gonna produce, joy. It's gonna produce joy in every season, in every hardship, no matter what pruning there is, no matter what you feel like God has taken away, no matter what cutting or what hardship, even if you feel like there's such struggle in your heart, the Holy Spirit is gonna give you such confidence that you know who you are in Christ to where you will even have a confidence to make these incredible prayers that God, I know that I'm struggling right now, but I'm gonna pray this to my mountain or I'm gonna pray this for my neighborhood because I have such a confidence. The Holy Spirit's putting that in you. So this is what I wanna really say to us as the church today. Is this, is this your experience right now? Is there a life in the word? Is there a confidence in prayer? Is there a joy in our heart? Is there this desire to walk with God? Let's just stand for a moment. And we're gonna take just a few moments, Lord, uh, just to spend some time with the Lord. <clears throat> if you feel like today, I feel weak, watch. You're a healthy branch. If you feel like today, I'm struggling, do you know that that's the grounds for the healthy branch? Based on what we saw. If you feel like today, I don't know what's happening in my life, but I feel like everything is a mess right now, do you know that you're grounds for a healthy branch? But you've got to abide. You've got to make the choice today to say, I'm gonna abide. I see the presence of the Lord. I know who he is as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And I want to be in his word. And God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust you for the rest. I'm gonna trust you for the rest. We can just bow our heads for a moment. Father, I thank you for the teaching that you gave your disciples, God, of abiding. And Lord, I did my best to try to teach it and pull out some of these truths. But right now, Father, these are your people. These are your branches, God. And Father, we look at your word that says you lift us and you carry us, God. Even through the seasons of much shame, even through the seasons of hardship, God, right now, I don't care who we are nor what we've done. Father, I pray that your hand of grace will come underneath every person, God, that is in that place of feeling so defeated that, Lord, you will pick them up and remind them that it's about the victory of the good vine, that they are a branch and that you're gonna cause fruit to come into their life, that they cannot look into their season right now and predict the future, God, that you know what's happening in the future, God, and you're taking them on a journey, God, of removing those areas of their life where they trust in their own strength, Father, and that you will speak into their life and speak over their life. I pray right now, God, for every heart that feels defeated, God, that you would speak something in their heart today, God, that you will commit yourself to fulfilling and bringing it out, God. Lord, I pray fruit in this congregation right now, God, fruit of the good vine to flow through the branches, Lord, that it would be through joy, that it would be through the word of God becoming real, that it would be through their prayer life, God, coming back to life. God, I pray for this over this congregation, God, in the name of Jesus Christ.
Now, if you're in this room and you feel like you want to come back and lean on the vine today, this altar is gonna be available for you. We're gonna sing a song. We're gonna lean on the vine. You don't have to bring nothing to the table. We're gonna lean, we're gonna lean on the vine and let him do what he wants to do in our life. Father, we lift up our hands to you. And God, we remind our hearts today that you're greater. You're greater and you're good and that you only do good. You are the gardener and we trust you. We trust you today, God. Right now, Father, I ask for the Holy Spirit's touch to come inside of every person's heart, Lord, that is needing you right now, that is just crying out for you, Father. I pray, Jesus, that endurance would fill their heart, that joy would fill their heart, that truth would fill their heart, God. Lord, I pray that they could lift up their head, Lord, in the center of a storm, in the center, God, of a pruning, in the center, God, of struggle, God, that they could lift up their head to you, God, and say, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to hold on to you. I'm going to find myself in your place. I'm going to find myself trusting in you. I'm going to find myself calling out to you. Holy Spirit, we ask for that today, God. We ask for that over your people. We ask for that, Jesus. And Father, I just thank you, God, for the reality that you're not ashamed of our weakness, but that, God, we can find our strength through leaning on Christ. You are the vine, we are the branches. We abide in you and your promises. In your promises, we abide in those. The promises you've spoken over our lives, over our family lives, God, we come and stand inside of those promises one more time. We stand here, God, and Lord, we'll hold on to them, Father. We're not gonna let go of them. You spoke them, God. We believe you. We believe your authority, God. We believe your power, God. We believe you, Father. We're gonna stay here. We're gonna hold on to that, God. Lord, we're gonna stay here. We're gonna hold on to those, God. God, we are the branches. We abide in you. We, we lean on you, Jesus. Yes, your word says that, that we cannot do anything, God. Without you, we cannot do anything, God. But with you, we can do all things. And God, we take that place today, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you. God, I just pray for your presence, God, to come and just warm your people, God, with the virtues of the Holy Spirit, God. And we come out of this place, God, with the presence of the Holy Spirit, God. Let it mark your people, God. Let it mark your people here. And God, I pray tomorrow as we wake up, Lord, there will be this appetite, God, to be back in your presence. And God, that we find our place there and that we open up this word, God, and it will become our bread. God, we love you. We thank you for your truth today. We thank you for your plan. We thank you, God. God, where would we be without it? Where would we be without it, God? We thank you for that. Well, amen, amen.